Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. We're going to be in the book of Matthew, so let's just kind of go over a couple of things. Um, the book of Matthew is the only book that says the phrase, the kingdom of heaven. And it says it 32 times. If you look in the King James Version and the New King James Version, it's 32 times. New American Standard is 31 times. Changes one part. I would say, since it's mentioned that much, Matthew was trying to get some kind of point across about the kingdom of heaven. I don't believe he jotted it down just because he didn't know what to write because this is inspired by Holy Spirit. So if it's inspired by Holy Spirit and the kingdom of heaven is mentioned 32 times, there's probably a reason that it's there. So when I was uh, this morning, I was kind of like, like Jesus, like he's just always like he's the best. So when you guys start singing about the kingdom of heaven, I'm just like, okay, confirmation. So then uh, Ken walks up to me, and Ken says, man, a couple of weeks ago I started praying to God that would teach me and reveal to me what the kingdom of heaven meant. Is that not cool? Like, for Ken specifically, he's praying to understand the kingdom of heaven. And honestly, I'm still praying to understand the kingdom of heaven. Like this has been an almost overwhelming thing to start looking at what this means and what it is. And I'm not 100% sure we're going to cover it all. Honestly, we're probably just all on a journey this morning with Holy Spirit to understand what the kingdom of heaven is. Static, you leave. I hate microphones anyway, and I really don't want to use a handheld. So uh, when, I, when I started looking into this, I started, I opened my Bible and I started going through, and uh, I had already highlighted some stuff about the kingdom of heaven, and I had already written a definition down maybe a year ago of, about the kingdom of heaven. And so if, if you look at the word kingdom and you break it down, it, it means the representation of the power of the throne. That's, that's, that's enough right there. Like we could, we could just leave right now and let everybody think about what that actually means. And then you go and find out what heaven means. Heaven is the abode of God. That's where he lives. That's where he stays. That's, that's where he takes up residence. And, and I start looking... I start looking at the, the things that the kingdom of heaven are mentioned that in the book of Matthew and, and it says blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And that's in chapter 5 verse 3 of Matthew. If you stay in there and you guys feel free to turn we're going to be bouncing through Matthew a lot. I encourage you just to go look up the kingdom of heaven after we leave here and, and just look because I'm not going to touch all 32. We might need to, but I'm not going to touch all 32 verses today. Um, if we go on in, in chapter 5 to verse 10, it says, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then I'm, I'm reminded about Matthew 3 and Matthew 4. Matthew 3 John the Baptist starts out his ministry saying, uh, repent, very, very important, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The next chapter, 4, Jesus starts his ministry out, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's probably a big deal that we repent and understand that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Like it's at hand, it's within reach, it's, it's in grasp of us all. And it's, it's a kingdom of heaven. Um, I think it gets, the waters kind of get muddied when we talk about heaven as a destination, which I, uh, heaven is absolutely real. 
Heaven is a destination. Heaven is not the goal. Heaven's a benefit of the gospel. It's not the goal of the gospel. And I think we muddy the waters and we make it the goal of leaving this earth to get to heaven. Which again is a benefit of the gospel, but not the goal. And we, we kind of forget about that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Like it's here for us. Like it's, is, is the kingdom of heaven here or is the kingdom of heaven there? Yes. The kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom of heaven is there. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Funny thing. It talks about receiving <laughs> the kingdom of heaven as a child in Matthew 2. That's awesome. I think there's a prophetic voice arising. Uh, I read a lot of things about the kingdom of heaven where it talks about um, it's just a phrase it's just something that they were using to, like Matthew was afraid to write the holy name of God, so he just wrote the kingdom of heaven instead of the kingdom of God. But that's kind of thrown out of the water because he mentions the kingdom of God, I think, nine times. So I don't think he was afraid to write that. So again, the kingdom of heaven is something. <clears throat> so when I start thinking about the kingdom of heaven being at hand, I start asking the Lord, like, what is the kingdom of heaven? Like, what is it really? Uh, about and I, I start thinking about of course miracles which is was a good thing like the kingdom of heaven there's there's healing there's deliverance there's raising the dead there's there's um, casting out demons there's all of these things that are listed about the kingdom of heaven and yes that's a thing for the kingdom of heaven and I start thinking even further like Jesus is that the point of the kingdom of heaven and I would think no that probably just shows the goodness of the kingdom of heaven. And, and so I, I dealt and, and went in a little deeper, like, all right, Jesus, like I really want to understand what we're, trying to, what we're trying to learn here about the kingdom of heaven. And I, I don't, like I'm, I'm straight up 100% honest, I ain't got all the answers, but I'm learning and I'm digging in because it says to, to knock, it says to seek, it says to ask, it says to do these things to understand what's going on. And so I start thinking about the kingdom of heaven. Then I hear them sing that song, and then I hear what Ken has to say. And so I went around, and I asked a couple of people, like, what do you think, what are you hearing right now in the spirit? And one person said, echo. I'm like, yes, we're to echo the kingdom of heaven. Like, like if we're going to be the representation of the power of the throne, then we should echo the power of the throne in our life and everything that we do, not just in miracles, signs, and wonders, but in every word that comes out of our mouth. So I ask another person what they're hearing, and they're saying he's no, there is no rival and there is no equal. Absolutely. He is king of his kingdom. He's head overall, and he cannot be challenged. There is no rival for him. He's king and head overall. And then... I'm thinking, all right, Jesus, like you're just, you're in control of this thing. But then I read that he gives us the keys to the kingdom. Didn't say he opened the door and threw us into the kingdom. He gave us the keys to the kingdom. So if he's given us keys, he must be wanting us to go unlock something, to open something, to learn. And then I... I, mean, I <laughs> We're all on a journey this morning. So then I read about the kingdom of heaven being compared to a dragnet, and it goes through the ocean, and it pulls up every fish that it comes around, but then at the end, the good fish are separated from the bad. And then I, then I hear about the wheat and the tares, where they grow up together, but then they're separated at the end. And I'm like, all right, Jesus, I, I feel like I'm getting more confused than I am anything about the kingdom of heaven. Like I want to understand what the kingdom of heaven is. And he's, he speaks ever so gently, ever so slightly to pique interest to dig in. Does that make sense? He's given us keys. He wants us to use the keys. He's, he's king and he's head over all. He's, there's no equal, there's no rival. He can't be challenged 
but he gives us keys to go use to access something that he's already provided for us. Like the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So if you have the keys, you go unlock the kingdom of heaven in your life. And then he, he rolls it back around to the signs and wonders like, like you talked about. Like is the focus the signs and wonders that operate from the kingdom of heaven? And I think no. I think the kingdom of heaven is an atmosphere that we're allowed to enter. And from that atmosphere, our lives are transformed and changed. And the evidence of us being in the kingdom of heaven is signs and wonders and miracles. Does that make sense? Like, I don't think you can just open the door and just miracles start. I mean, God can do anything that he wants to, but he doesn't. He gives us the keys. So if he gives us the keys, then we need to walk in and we need to understand the kingdom. We need to let that atmosphere come here, live here in us. And then from that relationship and that entrance into his kingdom, signs and miracles and wonders occur in our lives, in other lives, lives around us, lives that we touch. And in ways that we don't even know honestly are we tracking is this making sense because I feel kind of scattered but at the same time I'm just trying to learn with Holy Spirit I'm, like I'm being really honest with you right now like I, I've told you guys before I don't really prepare a message um, Drew said last week that that his personal time with the Lord his abide time with the Lord the Lord has spoken to him to not take messages from that time to here. It's opposite for me. So, so the kingdom is not like a straight line. This is the way for everybody. The, the kingdom of heaven is I'm going to work in you and you're going to look different from everybody else, but you're all going to work together for my glory. That's, that's part of the kingdom of heaven. So my abide time produces this stuff. Like I don't prepare a message. He doesn't use his abide time for a message. My abide time brings forth <laughs> the messages, if that makes sense at all. And nobody's wrong because it's the kingdom of heaven and the Lord operates in him different than he operates in me. And, and so if we're going to be vulnerable to that and we're going to have to surrender to that, we're going to have to understand that there's, there's this atmosphere that we're allowed to enter. But it, it takes us an action with the keys to open up the doors so we can enter into the kingdom of heaven. It, it's really amazing to me that, that we can all be in this room and we can all know what the kingdom of heaven is and we can all understand what the kingdom of heaven is. But in the end, are we all going to be together in heaven, heaven, or are we going to be separated out? Like, like, like I want, I want to really, I want to really. He says, "Not all that say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter in." But he says, "The wheat and the tares grow up together." He says, "The dragnet gathers good and bad fish, and then they're separated in the end." So, if they're separated in the end then somewhere, somehow, they didn't try to access the kingdom of heaven. Does that make sense? If they're separated out from us in the end, when the angels come and separate us out, we all had the same access to the same atmosphere to produce the same things in us, but we didn't use the keys, but some did use the keys. Does that make sense? I don't I definitely don't ever want to sow confusion. I want this to be really clear. Not all that say Lord, Lord will enter in. You can put on the persona, you can act it out, you can you can say you're Christian, you can say you know Jesus, you can pretend, but if you never access the kingdom of heaven, then in the end What's going to happen? Are we going to be separated out even though we thought we did all these great things in his name? Like, does, it, 
like I want to make sure I'm tracking here because this is one of those things that I really want to dig in and understand the kingdom of heaven. If I have access to an atmosphere that can bring a person out of a wheelchair and have them walk, I want to know about the kingdom of heaven. If I have access to something that transforms who I am, William, it changes me from the man I used to be to the man you're seeing right now to the man that will be one day. Like it's a transformation. Like I don't even want to really go into my history of who I was before. Just know that I am different. And it's because of the kingdom of heaven and the atmosphere that the king brings to his people. Like the king brings to his people this thing that actually makes you different after your encounter. Like, like if you step into the kingdom of heaven, there's something different that goes on. There's a gifting that can come out of you. There's a gifting that will be placed into you. There's, there's a change of attitude. There's a, a change of desire. There's a change of what your heart wants. There's a change of how you walk. There's a change of how you talk, how you hear, how you see. It's all different and transformed because of your access to the king's atmosphere. Thank you, Jesus. Kingdom of heaven, Will, can also be broken down to the nature of the king. So if the kingdom of heaven can be broken down to the nature of the king and we're supposed to represent the power of the throne, then our nature should change. If we're digging in, if we're going into the kingdom of heaven and we're seeking, we're asking, we're knocking, we're trying to get in, like this thing is real. I, I, I don't know how to say it any other way, but it's real. So if we go into this thing, then somewhere we're shifted and changed and mold it into something different. All right, my nature changes. Let's say, I don't have to say, I used to be a pretty uh, emotionally driven person, quick to anger. And after my spout of anger, just to give you, just to give you an example, my brother made me mad. My brother made me mad. I didn't speak to him for 17 years. Okay. That's my brother. Imagine if you were just somebody I knew. It would have been okay with me if I never spoke to you again. After multiple encounters with Jesus and a transformation from the atmosphere of the king, from what he's done in my life, from being exposed to the kingdom of heaven, I now not only speak to my brother, I have spoken to and met two other siblings that I had never talked to before. One reason, Jesus, a transformation of my nature, a change of who I was to who I'm becoming. Does that make sense? Like, like <clears throat> my brother will even say, he's like, I thought I was the king of grudge holders. But I, like I trumped that in my old nature, in, in the nature of the man that I used to be. Man, I want this to like just be so clear. You cannot stay the same after you've encountered the Father. After you've entered into the atmosphere of heaven, you cannot stay the same. I think that's what scares a lot of people off is when they start trying to access the kingdom of heaven, they start understanding that they can't be the way they were. And so they withdraw and they pull back and they will be separated in the end, even though they sat in church every Sunday, even though they raised their hands and they sang the worship songs and they did all the great things and made people think they were Christian, in the end, he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. So if there's something to knowing him, I would say we probably need to know him. Like know him, not, not know about him, not speak about him, not uh, not try to put on the persona of him. You can't fake that. 
you can try you can you could fool me zach like you could fool me i, I think you're a really good dude and you could be fooling me and i would have no way but in the end you'll be separated out if it's that way i don't think it is just using you for an example dude <laughs> yeah she said don't speak that over him <laughs> so funny it's so good to to that point i don't talk like i used to i actually watch almost every word that comes out of my mouth there's a few that i have to take back and say oh jesus i didn't mean to say that and i'm not talking about like bad stuff like i'm i'm not i'm not jamie i'm not gonna do it uh that's so funny uh just like saying man that kills me i'm speaking death that's speaking death even though i'm in a joking manner saying or just trying to understand something and saying that it does like i'm speaking death it's an idle word coming out of my mouth and i'm speaking something that i don't need to speak over myself or anybody else where does that come from me wanting to change the way i talk let me clarify that me wanting to change the way i talk and every word that comes out of my mouth where does that come from it comes from knowing the father being under the authority of the king as part of his kingdom as part of the kingdom of heaven like that changes you I hear a pastor say something like, you can't look at the face of Jesus and live. Consider this the face of Jesus. You, you can't look at this and live. That means there's something that's going to die out of you. Like there's a self-centeredness. There's a, there's a self-centered and self-seeking desire that we get from Adam. We didn't get that from Jesus. We got that from the fall of man. That self-seeking and, and self-motivated desire has to die if you're entering the kingdom of heaven. You, you can't bring that with you. And, and that goes a lot further than we think. Do it, man. does yeah absolutely that's uh gospel of john chapter 15 where he's talking about that and it's a it's a powerful scripture a powerful scripture yes sir come on So to what you're talking about in Genesis where um, Adam and Eve eat the fruit, um, Jesus told them, it's, it's interesting to me, Jesus told Adam, if you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. Um, Adam evidently tells Eve, if you even touch it, you're going to die because <laughs> that's what she says to, to the devil when he's, he's tempting her. I can't even touch it or I'll die. And we both know that they ate the fruit. And their physical bodies didn't die. So what died? Spirit. Yeah. The image. It's the spirit. You're, you're not wrong. It, it's the spirit. But it's his image. Jesus is so good. We could all probably just preach this sermon. If you go back to the, uh, the definition of kingdom, it's the representation of the power of the throne. Adam was representing the power of the throne until he ate the fruit. 
his representation of the power of the throne died after he ate the fruit. His, the image, the image and the likeness of the Father died in that moment, which is why Jesus had to die. Jesus had to die to get us that image back. That's a, another sermon for another time, I think. But that's, that's what you're referencing. That's what you're talking about. Do, do you see that the kingdom is multifaceted? Do you see that the kingdom is not the same for one person it is, is another? Do you see that we all have input? Do you see that we all have authority and access? Like if he's giving us the keys, he's giving us access, but he's also giving us authority. Let's go find that right quick. I think. 10-1. He did, yep. And having us, uh, there's another one that we're going to go to, but we'll read this one. It says, having summoned his 12 disciples, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. That's a benefit of being in the kingdom. He gave them authority over that because they were part of that. I think 13 is where I'm trying to go. Mm, yeah. In 13 it says, uh, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Like that's, that's more authority, that's more access that he's given. That wasn't the one I was looking for. It, it is good. It's really good. I think 16... Yeah, I think 16 is where I'm trying to go. No, that's where he gives you the keys. He, oh, yeah, it is it. Ah, we're good. And so he, he's talking to Peter before this, and this is where he says, like, uh, uh, Peter, uh, up on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. He says, I, give, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. That's access. We're allowed to enter in. Then he says, and whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He's giving us authority. He's, he's giving us the keys to the kingdom where, all right, so take, let's take it like this. Um, he's our father. We're his children. If, if you go out in his name representing the father, then you carry the authority of the father or the authority of the king with you. Does that make sense? Like, Eddie, you're a prince. You carry the authority of the king. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting some off looks there like, mm, yeah, he's a prince. No, I'm just kidding. Not, like, but that's true. Like, you go in the father's name, you have the authority of the king as a part of his kingdom. Does that make sense? So if, can I just use you for an example? Right. So if, if Eddie goes out and he's representing the power of the throne, then everything about him should be the nature of God. It should be, people should see in every move that Eddie makes the, the power of the throne and the nature of the king. Like he... That's a pretty big deal, I think. I mean, I feel like I'm rambling. I hope this is clear. If we're going to be Christians, um, break the word down, it means little Christ-like ones. If we're going to be Christians and we're going to walk out as Christians and enter this world as, as Christians, then according to Philippians chapter 2, I think it is, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, but it says there that... Um, if we live, let's just go there. If we if we live as as the Father has taught us to live, then people should not be able to carry any bad word against us. Pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah. So so if we're going out and we're truly representing the King, then we're carrying his nature with us, then every action that we make and every move that we make, every word that we say, nobody should bring 
be able to bring an accusation against us because we're, we're walking in the authority and the purity of the king because his nature has been established in us through the kingdom of heaven. Is that pretty clear? Okay. I don't know. There, there's times I feel like this stuff's coming, like nailing it, and then there's times I feel like it's just a rambling bunch of mess. I don't know. Walking confidence. Uh, yeah, I probably should. So if I'm going to have the keys to the kingdom... How do I access the kingdom? How do I use the keys? How do I how do I enter in the door of the kingdom? Like wouldn't that be a the next logical question or step? Like if I'm supposed to be part of the kingdom of heaven, I've been given the keys. Inside the kingdom of heaven is this different nature, it's this authority, it's this atmosphere that transforms the very person that I am. I would probably want to get in there. So how do I get into the kingdom? Get rid of the old king. That's pretty good. And and by the way, everybody has permission to to talk or shout something out if there's something on your mind. You're not going to bother me at all. I'm not going to miss a beat. So yeah, getting rid of the old king. So you got to defect from the old kingdom and come to the new one. So if you're going to do that, there's only one way. There's only one path, and it's coming through Christ. It's coming through the Son. It's coming through uh, the one that went and took back the keys. At, like, I want this to be very applicable. You can say that all day long, but what does it really mean, and how do you really do it? If we're going to be part of the kingdom of heaven, and heaven is the abode of God, we've got to give him a place to live. We've got to give him a place to take up shop, to take up residence. And the only way we can do that is to go into a relationship with him, a knowing him. Uh, to, to know him is it's even more than his word. Like his word is absolutely him in print you read this and you understand who the lord is who the father is if you look at christ um the bible says that he is the exact representation of the father so if he's the he's the way he's the gate so if you're going to get in you got to come through christ if you're coming through christ then you got to know him you got to know him and you can read the bible all day long and not know him you can quote the word like Steve and not know him like it's more than just I can quote John three sixteen, or maybe I think I know what that means there's a relationship that has to be formed and happen between you and the Lord and, and that only happens through a couple of things um, I think one of them is probably called denying yourself and picking up your cross and following him so I say that's our three step rule to getting to know the Father, to getting to know Jesus. Um, denying ourselves is this. Um, it's no longer my will and my way to do what I want to do to get what I want in this life. It's a surrender of your selfish motives and desires falling under the authority of the king to allow him to come in and transform who you are. So you have to know Christ you have to have a relationship. You have to get with him, just you and him, alone, like a, a glimpse of my day. I get up in the morning early. I'm an early riser. I always have been, so I'm up around 5 every morning, and I go straight into the Word, and I read. And then I set the Bible aside, and I talk to the Lord. I ask him to come into my life. I ask him to change who I am. I ask him to be a part of, of not 
be a part of me to live in me like one of my prayers is teach me how to die it's the only way he can fully live in me is if I'm dying so teach me how to die and that's my needs my self-centered motives all of those things have to go they have to die it's that's one of the biggest things that hangs up Christians is we think we're walking out the right way but we haven't died to ourselves yet so once we can die to ourself then we're free is if you're not living for yourself if you're living for the father and you're allowing him to come into your heart take up rest there take up shop there then all of your self-centeredness is dying and he's living once that's happened and you've surrendered and i'm not saying this is going to happen overnight it's a process you have to recognize every time that something creeps up in your life that's anti-christ right? i'm not saying anybody here is the anti-christ but our our notions and our motives are anti-christ they're not how he designed us and how we want it or how he wanted us to be from the beginning so those things have to go and every time they creep up every time something comes up that is anti-christ you have to recognize that and kill it recognize it kill it do away with it let it be done once you can you can die or start dying to self you become free you think about every let's think about sin can you name a sin that doesn't come from a self-centered motive that's why sin is one of the biggest enemies of a Christian because you haven't died because that's coming from a self-centered desire a self-centered motive so that has to die so once you start dying to that you start becoming free then you start understanding that you are free from offense like you can't be offended there, there becomes a there comes a time there comes a point to where you um, I'm not going to do that somebody will take that personal somebody cuts in front of me in line at Walmart and I get offended that has to die because offense comes from self-centeredness I haven't died if I'm being offended by people I haven't died if I haven't died then Christ has not been fully living in me does that make sense all right so if somebody cuts in front of me at in line at Walmart and I'm like oh do I oh, what do I do no it's uh, oh man Jesus like I just want to bless them right now I just want to bless them in your name Jesus give them favor I, I want to honor you in this moment Jesus and just let them go because obviously they haven't died to self that was a joke. Come on. <clears throat> that would be me still not dying to self. Just so you know. Just so you know. I'm trying to break it up a little here. But if, if you're dying to self, then you're seeing everybody else how Jesus sees them. So if something happens and it should offend me and I don't take offense to that, then I can still see that person how Jesus has created them to be with the same purpose the same potential the same value that Jesus sees in them does that make sense that that's part of that's part of being free is if I'm free from me and I can't be offended then I'm free from everybody else is you you can't offend me because I'm, I'm free so then we walk into taking up our cross so if you talk about picking up your cross because he says deny yourself pick up your cross follow me if you want to break down picking up your cross it's it's this in a nutshell not letting sin against me produce sin in me not letting sin against me produce sin in me so you don't let it come you're picking up your cross you've denied yourself you're you're, you're dying you're you're dying to all that self-centered stuff and you're picking up your cross and sin comes against you but it has no place in you and it can't produce sin in you does that make sense then we can start talking about following Jesus and walking like he walked and talking like he talked doing the works that he did uh, he says that we will do greater works than he did 
but if we can't get to the works that he did, we can't do greater than he did, right? Like if, if, we're, if we're saying, like I'm not trying to blaspheme here, that's in the Bible. Like we're supposed to be able to do greater works than Jesus did. That, that's the word. So if, if we can't get to doing the works he did, we'll never get to doing greater works than he did. Does that make sense? Everybody tracking with me? Everybody bored to death? No? I hope not because this is Bible. Um, <clears throat> if I'm denying myself and I'm picking up my cross and I'm able to walk with that cross and sin coming against me can't produce sin in me, then I can follow Jesus. I can follow. I can walk like Jesus walked. I can talk like Jesus talked. I can be just like Jesus. Like that's a real thing. You can be just like Jesus. There's only one Jesus. Nobody can ever be Jesus. Like there was only one that could come and die for our sins. That's Jesus. He's the only one. He is the only way. He is the truth. He, he's, he's, he's the absolute perfect representation of the Father. And he said, follow me. So if he said, follow me, then surely it's possible. I, I don't think he just makes this stuff up to tease us like trying to make us do something he knows we can't do if he says it then surely we can do it but we've got to access that we've got to use the keys Jamie like we, we have to have to physically take the opportunity Ken you said that spoke to you about using the keys and having access the only way we can have access is doing these things the only way we can use the keys and actually open the door is if we're following the commandments that Jesus gave us. If we're denying ourselves, if we're picking up our cross, and man, we're following him into the kingdom of heaven. We're walking this thing out. We're, we're dying to ourselves daily. We're, we're praying without ceasing. We're, we're walking in a manner that's worthy of him. We're doing the things that his word says that we can do and it's all because the atmosphere and the nature of the king changes us. There's, there's no way opposite that. Anything else is anti-Christ. It's something that we have to fight and struggle with in our lives. Yeah, I'll take that back. We don't have to fight and struggle with it. It just has to die. It absolutely has to die. If you ever want to think about picking up your cross and following him, then denying yourself has to be the first step. That's the way it works. You, there, Danny, as much as I appreciate you, and as much as I've seen you grow, and as much as you've encouraged our hearts from home church. We do a home church, by the way, and they've been coming to it from the beginning. And I've seen Danny grow so much. That growth doesn't come unless you die. As, as much as I like you as a person and appreciate you, the only way it goes any further is if you die. Then you pick up the cross. Then you follow him. If you're not dying and I commit a sin against you, then that can very well produce sin in you. And then we're back to step one, denying ourselves. We've got to deny ourselves. That's got to die. It's like the biggest thing. Are we sure we're posting this on social media? <laughs> we're not live streaming, are we? No, not. Cut and edit. Make me sound really good. No. here's the beauty of this like I want people to understand my heart um, anything that you see in me like confidence wise or boldness um, it's purely because the Lord has done something in my life it's purely because he's changed me I'm not the guy that would just yell out before 
because I haven't died to myself and I would be embarrassed. Uh, if you're embarrassed and you're not dying to yourself, uh, my heart, and I want, I want, I want you to hear me clearly. My heart is to always push you to more, always push you to more. Uh, um, if you're just satisfied with being where you are, then you're not growing. If you're not growing, then you're not following Jesus. It's a growth thing. It's a it's a moving forward thing. It's a, it's a continuously recognizing the attacks of the enemy, going against those things. It's a. Let's say you walk out a great week where you've died to yourself. Nobody's offended you. You're doing good. Everything's great. The cross isn't too heavy on you. You're following Jesus. Everything's looking good. We tend to relax there. We think we've made it, so to speak. And that's the time when the enemy comes in and he finds this one little thing to tweak you and, and prick you into a point of falling right back into a self-centered motive. Right? It's a constant watch of your heart and a guarding of your heart. It's a, it's a constant renewing of your mind. Breakdown, renewing of your mind. It's thinking like you never thought before. Let me emphasize thinking like you have never thought before. It's, it's a changing the way you see the world because you start having the mind of Christ. Right? You start having the thought pattern of Christ. You start having the, the words that Christ would speak. You start walking in a in a in a way and in a manner that's worthy of the lord like like these are the things that come but it's a constant guarding of your heart and moving forward if you're not moving forward then you're just going to be stagnant the enemy can come in and he can make you feel like you've made it like you're there like you don't have to move any further and even though you think you're rocking it and you're awesome the enemy has got you stagnant and you're dying where you are. Does that make sense? There's, there's, a, there's a time that you have to decide, are you in this or are you out of this? You can fake it all day long. You can make people think you're a really awesome person, that you're this great Christian. You can post all the good scriptures online and you can... You can look good on social media and all that stuff's good, but if you haven't surrendered, if you haven't died, if you're not trying to follow Christ, then in the end, you're going to be one of those people that said, but didn't we do all these great things in your name, Lord? And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Is that, like, it's real. It's just a real thing. I'm not trying to be like a Debbie Downer kind of thing. I want you to live. I want you to live to the fullest potential of Christ in you. I always want to push you forward to that and help you grow into that more and more than where you are right now. And you may be leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else. I don't want you to get stagnant. I want you to grow. You, you may be light years ahead of the rest of us. I want you to continue to be light years ahead of the rest of us. Like I want you to grow and the only way is if you just keep dying, Tabitha. I mean, it's as crazy as it sounds. Like we said at baptism, it's a come and die gospel. And it, it's, a coming, it's a come and die, but it's a come and die so you can really understand what life is for, what it's about, who it belongs to, how it grows, how it blossoms, how it produces fruit. The, these things don't come from feeling good about yourself or growing stagnant in a place. It, it comes from producing fruit, being pruned, producing more fruit. It's the vine. You produce fruit, congratulations, you get pruned. Yeah. I, I can tell you right now, I feel like Vanessa and I have been in probably two years, maybe even three, of a constant pruning season. Like, Sometimes it's not fun, but when you see the fruit, 
you're like, oh, yes, there's fruit. And then the pruning comes again. And then, yes, there's fruit. And then the pruning comes again. It's growing. It's a constant growing. Like if you get a grapevine, anybody that's gardeners in here, if you don't prune the grapevine back every year, it's not going to produce its um, full potential of fruit. It's, it's really crazy, but that's how God designed everything. That's how he created everything to produce fruit. Having said that, if you're, if you're not producing heavenly fruit, then you're producing unheavenly fruit. Let's break that down just a little bit more. If you're speaking, you're speaking life or death. There's no in-between. Jesus says that he would have you either be hot or cold. It's lukewarm. He's going to spew you out of his mouth. So if we're producing, it's not if, we're producing fruit, period. We're producing fruit. Is it fruit unto holiness? Or is it fruit unto the anti-kingdom? Does that make sense? There, there's no, I can walk the line, the middle road, stay on the fence. If you're on the fence, you're on the enemy's side. Does that make sense? Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, that's just true. Uh, if, if you're... If you... If you try to operate into something that you haven't given yourself to, let's say that you think that you've really given yourself to the kingdom, so you're trying to step out and do things on your own because you think you're like doing God's work, but it's really just a self-centered motive. If you're doing that in his name, he doesn't recognize it as coming from him. It's not coming from his kingdom it's coming from outside that's why he says like you'll do these great things or, or people are saying but we cast out devils and we healed sick and we did all these things in your name and he's going to be like I don't, I don't know who you are because you never came into the kingdom you tried to operate in something of yourself and you didn't surrender to what the kingdom was supposed to be does that make sense Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.